0: This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here is my
1: cloud-provided co-host, Jan. How are you doing, Jan? I'm good. And I'm wondering what is cloud-provided, how virtual am I really? I mean, I guess I'm virtual in the ether right now, but...
0: I mean, the cloud really is just someone else's computer, and does that make you someone else's co-host? I don't know.
1: Um, well, I consider you my co-host, so I guess... There you go, then. <laughs>
0: Glad we've solved that problem. Well, we are talking about cloud providers today, although not, perhaps not, would expect. not the cloud providers you would normally expect, indeed. These are um, the clouds you're looking for. Maybe. well, Or maybe they are the clouds you're looking for. Maybe. So we were, or rather, Yon pointed out uh, a few articles about the the schwarz group uh in europe uh which is europe's largest food retailer and the parent company of lidl which is a well-known um originally sort of german uh, group mm-hmm. um, but now very much across europe and mostly known for being uh i would say a value um, yeah.
1: supermarket not the bottom tier but they're downwards
0: yeah but still very popular um Mm -hmm. a focus say a focus on value good quality products but you know not a lot of um effort spent as much on uh uh, fripperies within the stores should we say and Mm -hmm. all of this shopping related talk is one (laughs) thing but what is interesting here is that the schwartz group is looking to uh, not just looking to but is actually yep. providing cloud-based services to other retailers or sorry not other retailers other third-party companies now if you're hearing me talking about this you may be familiar with a another large-scale retailer that has started down big this big. journey <laughs> It's the, obviously the gorilla in the market, AWS literally started, um, from this same, uh, conception. It's, I mean, it's kind of interesting because we saw, we saw cloud providers, um, spring up all over the place, you know, eight, eight, 10 years ago, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. around the. Uh, you know, one of the the sort of ideas around the OpenStack project back then was that you know everyone and anyone could become a cloud provider. Yeah. You know the telcos were on a, a giant move to become the cloud providers for their enterprise customers and all those kinds of things. And I I'm I'm not as in as embedded in that world as I once was, but mm-hmm. I don't know what you think, Yon, but I. I haven't really seen any of that take any significant sort of effect in the industry. Like
1: yeah, so, sort of I mean, GCP, AWS, I mean, Azure, at the time, Rackspace was one of the biggest one that jumped on the open mm-hmm. stack wagon and, and it was fairly successful, but they were just too small in capital footprint, whatever you want to call yeah. it, to be able to compete against the ma- mastodons like a Google, Amazon, and a uh, Microsoft. Yeah, And basically, they gave up at certain points. And I think that the, the reason they gave up because they were data, cent- data center centric. Mm. They were looking at data centers and just looking at, as you said, some cloud is someone else's computer. Mm. The other clouds, and definitely the ones that came more recent, I mean, Amazon was the first one and still has the biggest uh, virtual machine focus, if I can say that, while Google and Azure definitely have uh, gone far more on the SaaS versions, on uh, on Mm. services. And sure, they still have VMs because people always need VMs, you need to put your stuff somewhere, but their focus has much more been on SaaS services than just hardware, and that's where a rack space couldn't follow because they didn't really have any... Uh, software building expertise to build those services and yeah i mean i can go to rackspace for vms but i also want these services which i'm going to take from azure or google or amazon mm. why would i still have vms at rackspace and i'm saying rackspace yet there were multiple there i mean even ibm tried with their blue Gene something something still exists yeah. somehow but uh, not really yeah, something I, mean, at some... I, I ibm acquired uh was it Softcat?
0: I don't know back in the day it was a long time ago, but um they yeah like i b you, you were talking about companies that didn't really have the the revenue behind them, even i b m you know failed to make an impact, you know we don't talk about i b m cloud like it still technically exists, but we don't talk about it in the same realms as we talk about the the top three cloud providers in the west, and of course, there's a completely different set of cloud providers as you head towards China, for example, but it's this sort of research, this, you know, I say resurgence, we've got, one, we've got one use case or well, one, one example <laughs> one we know here. Yeah, true, true. And it's, it's a return or it, it's potentially a return to this, this world of. Specialist cloud providers for certain needs mm-hmm. and I or it could be a, it could be a it could be a resurgence of this this idea of you know you, you don't choose uh, an aws or a, or a, an azure or a, a gcp you choose a cloud provider that has instead services that are more targeted towards the things that you need as a consumer rather than more generic services that you have to then go and build a bunch of uh you know you get a, a toolbox of stuff and you have to go and then build from it instead of a bunch of potentially sas related services that you can just consume because the mm-hmm. the cloud provider is more tailored to your use
1: yes but that's also a danger because one of the reason that azure and google are growing i think faster now still than amazon is that well, Amazon is a, a grocer, it's a bookstore, it's a retail. And if I'm an e-commerce uh, organization and I'm putting my stuff in Amazon, I'm actually paying my direct competition to run my stuff on their things. and uh i'll leave it up to the users to google it up how amazon is treating their amazon basics brand in comparisons with other stuff that's on their webshop mm. let's not talk about that here but there is some stuff happening there so if uh, specifically this little the schwartz initiative would also as you say be well we're a retailer we know how retailers work we have these services built out and other retailers can now use this from us there is going to be that contention because there is a comp- competition thing in there. Even if Schwartz has yeah. their cloud in a separate entity or whatever, it's mm-hmm. still going to be friction there. So basically the people that would be most interested to use the the the, the small cloud, the little cloud. <laughs> 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 I mean, you, you, you coined the term earlier, uh, honor to honor. Uh, but most people that would be best targets for that service would be the ones outside the retail industry. And you wouldn't have that side yeah. uh, advantage there and i think if little wants to do this or schwartz i should say wants to do this right they'll have to make sure that they don't get that aura of we are just trying to spy on what you're doing idea because that will totally mm-hmm. take people off of course
0: i mean that the, yeah. the it, it this one of the articles that we found talks about the fact that they the platform is already used by external parties such as siemens Deutsche Telekom and Railway Group. And that's a pretty interesting selection of people consuming this platform. You know, Deutsche Telekom, a telecom, it it, it kind of blows my mind a little bit because telcos are very well known for wanting to run a lot of their own services. Um, they're very well known for.
1: Not anymore. They're outsourcing an awful lot these days. If I look at KPN in the Netherlands. They pretty mm-hmm. much sold, not all, but a big part of their data center real estate and even mm. uh, human intelligence, for lack of a better word, they are outsourcing. I mean, the whole world, IT world, has gone on an outsourcing binge in the last 20 years. It's been yeah. on a return a little bit now because people are kind of seeing, oh crap, I have no differentiation anymore because yeah, everybody's yeah. building a lot. cut too deep. Yeah but uh telco as far as i can tell and again it's not my main market but i do deal with kpn from time to time and the belgian telcos as well and they are still cutting well i was going to say fat but no they're still cutting flesh at this moment Mm. i think interesting
0: but like siemens like i i think of i mean it's Difficult to generalise because the Siemens Group is a is a, is a huge it's a vast array of of organisations um, yeah and a vast group of organisations but, but the whole
1: group has a single momentum yeah and that's valid for the entire higher industry go mm. services if you look at Philips for example I've just mm. been playing around with Hue light, so Philips in my head now <laughs> if you look at Philips they kind of divested all of the hardware stuff the construction stuff and are more and more looking into how to monetize services around that thing because they looked at the cloud seeing Microsoft, Google and Amazon make ridiculous amounts of money and they want to jump on that bandwagon and things like data centers. Well, no, we just want to run somewhere. We don't care where it is. Air quotes, asterisk, 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 Mm -hmm. because we don't care where we run in Europe does have a different meaning than in the US. Yeah. But if,
0: so the the technology that um that started all of this this journey with the schwartz group was uh cameo c-a-m-a-o they they were sort of acquired slash joined in partnership with the schwartz group and i've got to admit i had never heard of them before this particular sort of article had come up um and i i wonder if you know they've got you know quite a wide range of organizations that they're working with somewhat amusingly acute including i should say amazon germany um but i wonder how much of this was uh, cameo's um Web, website includes one of the the fabulous uh well not icon laden but uh um logo laden sort of pages where they you know all of the the folks that are using their technology and you know Lidl is on there but also uh telecom, you know, Deutsche Telekom is on there, Allianz is on there, um you know, Hyundai, Calvin Klein. It's like a it's a really quite eclectic mix of organizations but it's also a lot of organizations that i recognize as being like pretty cutting edge so like zurich as a a sort of insurance or in the insurance space um worth uh who else um obviously Let's see, Mastercard. Like, there's, there's a lot of organisations here, and obviously we don't know what level of depth they're using mm-hmm. uh, Cameo's technology. It could just be one small project. It could be, you know, yeah. lock, stock, everything. But it's, it's an interesting. So I, my, my, where I'm going with this is I think that most of these organisations were customers of Cameo pre-acquisition and so now that the group is owned by well now cameo is owned by schwartz it's sort
1: of fallen under the schwartz banner if you like yeah potential but why does it matter um, because my reasoning behind why these companies are there mm. has a lot to do with uh, data protection laws in europe yeah. Because there's more and more call for having local data centers, and Germany, as far as I am aware, has one of the strictest uh, laws around that. Uh, when I was at uh, Microsoft, we ac- actually lived the uh, creation of a govern no a a what was it again? A it was not a regional cloud, but a nation cloud, government whatever something cloud specific hmm. for Germany. And I think that was run by T Mobile or so one of the telcos there. Mm-hmm. And that didn't really take off because, in the end, you had T Mobile or whatever telco it was. I'm not going to say faking it, but they weren't really owners of the little Azure data center there because all the software, all the telemetry, all the stuff still happened in the Azure Kubel. So mm-hmm. it didn't really work that way. Now, this cloud, Schwarz Group Europe, is a European entity it's yep. based in germany so it's an ideal it, it might i can see this actually work for little to become a amazon style kind of thing it's going to take him years of course to grow to that size mm-hmm. but at the moment through the different initiatives in europe where we are trying to build a european cloud infrastructure there's a lot of uh, um, budget available grants available stuff mm-hmm. available this is in germany which is one of the strictest laws if i'm correct yep. So yeah, you are. They have a lot of them going a lot of it going for them. They already have a bit of an installed customer base to grow from. So the thing that surprises so, me most is that how secret this happened. Well, the reason that I think it's important, and
0: the reason I think it does matter, is actually the point that you brought up probably about five or ten minutes ago <laughs> earlier, where you were saying like <laughs> the, the challenge is that. Uh, you know they acquired all these all these customers as when they were cameo potentially, mm-hmm. and now they're little. It's that competition. It's that you know how much yeah. of a of but a challenge right. do you think that is?
1: It's not little. I mean the article we showed is showing little because people know little. It's the shop yeah. in the street. Nobody knows what Schwartz Gruppe is. I mean for me Schwartz that's baseballs. <laughs>
0: interesting but, for me it's uh spices but there we go <laughs> <laughs> spices okay
1: no <laughs> uh but anyway so the article talks about little but it's not little that does the cloud right it's a Schwartz grouper and little is mm-hmm. just one of the consumers of that cloud which is by coincidence and maybe by its detriment part of the group as well but as long as schwarz is able to t- nicely separate that and make sure it has a good marketing or basically marketing around it because in the end, you either believe it or you believe it not. There's no real proof to be given there. But if they do it right, I don't see the little affiliation to be too much of a problem there. Also, because again, if they get this running at scale, they are the only European cloud that is totally European that I know of. And they might actually have a very nice first mover advantage here mm. in Europe. It's all going to depend on how yeah, open they are. Because if Google and Microsoft have proven something, I think Microsoft proved it more by doing it wrong first and then yep. doing it right, being open source minded for public cloud is a huge advantage. Amazon always was open source minded. Well, their kind of open source mindedness. Google obviously always been strong in the open source part. Azure at the beginning wasn't, Azure was not successful. They did the 180 and Azure bloomed. So I hope that the Schwarz group can learn that same lesson, embrace the open source approach, Uh, Go services and not just uh, hardware providing. And this could actually be very cute. And the reason that this article actually came to my attention was not because this, because I read this a couple of months ago and well, yeah, I guess whatever, But recently we had a second article where they actually acquired a cybersecurity firm. Mm -hmm. It's from Israel. No, I don't know XM Cyber, never heard of them before, but Israel is kind of well known for their cybersecurity things. So I'm assuming this is a decent company that has decent products. And well, why would the Schwartz Group go for cybersecurity stuff? Well, if you link it to the cloud planning, which this article does, then it does kind of show that they are going forward with a multi-user multi-purpose cloud environment that is safe and secure based in europe and Mm. it has a lot of good noises Uh, but again proof is uh, in the pudding of course
0: i mean one of the things that i find really fascinating about this and this is just you know we're digging into this on the fly as we're talking about it we always do it (laughs) well yeah often um but back in 2020 there was a forbes article of 10 biggest retailers in the world now obviously this will this will have shifted around a little bit since then no doubt but i expect it to still be directionally accurate it was you know walmart the largest uh in the in first place amazon us um in second place Costco US mm-hmm. in in the third place, and Schwartz Group wow. Germany is the four, we're back in 2020 at least was the fourth largest uh, retailer in the world. That's like, that's a, I was
1: I was expecting uh, uh, a thingy uh hotel has to be higher than that. No, no, um, number of chains. Okay, cool.
0: And so it goes down from that. So Kroger. In the us is number five walgreens boots alliance number six uh, number seven is home depot and number eight is aldi which is also kind of interesting mm-hmm. um, uh, number nine is carfour um you know okay uh, again another european one and number 10 is jd.com in china um it's it's a pretty Interesting list, honestly, and I am very curious to to think what that looks like today. Uh, how much that's kind of shifted around over the last two years?
1: Not that much. I mean, there've been some mergers happening, of course, but uh, mm. those are typically the ones that typically somewhat large that gobble up a somewhat smaller one, mm. so they get a little bit larger. I don't think much has changed. Again, I was expecting our hotel has to be a bit higher there. Mm. But it also kind of makes a nice point because, I mean, Walmart was the was a top one, but I would yeah. never see Walmart go for a public cloud offering because they don't have that advantage of having a European cloud entity because in the US, you already have uh, Azure, Amazon, Google, yeah. there be direct competition that would have no differentiation. Mm-hmm. It would be, they probably have the money and, the, and the, 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 the girth to do that, but I don't see them actually succeeding there because the competition would just be, why would I go to walmart if i have the other three there already little being the top of the list and the first european-based entity again strengthens my not gonna say belief but uh, belief in the possibility (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, this could actually be something
0: i mean this is obviously a, a discussion that's um focused more on the it's more focused on retailers. I mean, obviously, I, I still think that telcos are uh, are a strong uh, potential to provide no. clouds in some way, shape, no. or form. nope 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 no. I know you don't believe it, but I still think that's the the retail still has have one have big advantage. Advantage.
1: Go on, because the retail already has uh, depots all over the country. And Mm -hmm. those depots are, in fact, mini data centers, because each depot has a couple of dozen servers, if not a couple of hundred sometimes. And they already have that logistics pattern that's spread, while a a telco is much more centralized. Sure, they have a lot of devices spread around, but they're not depots. They typically, it's not an IoT device, it's bigger than that, I agree, but they'd have less of that... I mean, that's the reason that Amazon was able to be what Amazon is, because they had that spread out infrastructure, that spread out IT, which they weren't able to use all the time. They started renting it out.
0: So I mean, the, the telcos, the telcos do
1: have a wide, more well, certainly. Um, they sold a lot. Yeah, all the data centers. They, they missed the train there, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, they definitely did, um, but I, I still think they have enough to become a player in this space again but regardless of that like who do you think there's another industry that that could offer services I'm- like finance do you think the financials could have some appetite or is there uh, too much, too much?
1: Uh, compliancy too much uh, red tape mm. to cut through the, mon- the moment you say finance you go into such big legal things that uh, they'll yeah, forget it that's the fun thing about retail it's pretty much not wild west but it's a mm. free industry they have a lot of freedom to do pretty much whatever they want within within legal bounds of course mm. but they have that infrastructure they have the freedom Finance do not see it, government could do this, but will never do it right. Because again, they have different priorities mm. on different levels. So I'm not even going to go deep in that. I mean, for all that it's worth, Google and Microsoft are actually exceptions for me. It's amazing that they have been able to do this. And the only reason they could do it is because they, as a company decided we are going to be, well, Google less because it's still an advert company, but Microsoft decided we will be a cloud company and they really turned the whole company around. And they could only do that because they had such deep deep coffers and were a software thing. And they had that, let's go SaaS, let's go services. This ties nicely into a Windows ecosystem. At a certain point, they opened up the open source environment and then start blooming. So they had that. But to be honest, if uh, I look back 20, 30 years, I would never have predicted Azure or Microsoft to be a big cloud user, a uh, cloud provider because they didn't have that many data centers at that point, they were a software company. Yeah. I mean it's amazing actually. I Amazon, mean the- though, that that sounds very organic, very normal that Amazon we had this infrastructure, we had too much, we started renting it out and hey, that's useful, that and it just bubbled up from there. That sounds logical. The others? Mm. Not so much.
0: Yeah. If the I mean, obviously, what, what's what's clearly going to happen is we're we're all going to give up on all these other cloud providers, and we're going to disappear off into the metaverse uh, because uh, obviously that's that's the desire. But the metaverse needs to run
1: somewhere. It's,
0: it's all going to run. It's all going to run within Meta or Feta or whatever it's called. <sighs> anyway, let's let's leave that depressing thought and. Instead, talk about something that probably should have happened, I don't know, a decade ago, several
1: decades ago even? Even earlier than that, I think. Probably, probably. And So Dave that, thinks we should have been asking for huge fines a long time ago. Sounds good.
0: Definitely. And uh, you can make that check payable to <laughs> Roaring Elephant. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, this is this is a, a pretty interesting new Luke UK law that is, I don't think it's not live yet, is it? It's a new bill that's being laid out. Yeah.
1: Um, right. They introduced new legislation and we all know yeah. how with Brexit, how fast UK law works. So in the next 10 to 20 years, it probably will become a law. Uh,
0: so it, it got Royal Assent last week, the Telecom Telecommunications Security Act, which gives Ofcom certain powers to provide those fines. But honestly, like this should have been something that governments were doing as a, at least a decade, if not two ago. Like, why on earth are default passwords a thing? Like, why, 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 oh, why, oh, why?
1: I'm going to counter that. Go on then. Is this really something our government should be involved in? Shouldn't, and again, shouldn't the people that write the software have enough brain cells together to know that that's a bad idea? I
0: mean... You're absolutely right. But they didn't, and they haven't. (laughs) And they so, never will. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, it's kind of disappointing. It's kind of sad that that is the case, that that's the world that we live in is that, um, you know, IoT devices, smart devices, your, you know, well, maybe a little bit less and less now routers and network gear. But a lot of that still comes with default passwords that you know you can go and look up on a website mm-hmm. and away you go. Like hey, that's
1: useful. I mean only about I moved a couple of months ago and I reinstalled my uh, switch. It's a managed switch mm-hmm. and I did not know the password. I tried all my password managers, apparently I never solved it. I never stored it anywhere. I went to the documentation, default password Yeah, it works. <laughs> oh <laughs> I, know, I know I know, I know. <laughs> uh i've changed yeah
0: good i'm glad to hear it (laughs) but i mean you're right this this shouldn't be something that needs to be legislated and yet we still live in a world today where default passwords are still a thing um people do not seem to give enough focus to security when it comes to Mm services and solutions and especially consumer devices being rolled out there it's it's just it's just not given enough attention and unless you start to think about finding organizations for breaching these kind of requirements i i don't see it changing anytime soon or with any certainly with any level of speed
1: yeah, but let's let's be honest here. I mean, most big companies have kind of figured it out. I mean, a lot of the new stuff you get, the first page you get is, please enter your password here before you can continue yeah. and before it comes active. So most big stuff is, in, is okay. It's more the, the little startups, people are trying something, build something funny, something cute. And yeah, quick and dirty. As always, security well, is, a, is a tack-on on most software projects, sadly <laughs> enough, because it's simply not fun to do. You say that,
0: but then I, when you when you talk about big companies, I'm not sure I necessarily agree because there's a huge amount of stuff, mostly okay, realistically, mostly coming out of the Far East, not just China, but the Far East generally, of you know relatively cheap devices that that don't have that level of intelligence, and these are these are definitely being churned out. Yeah, um, but by
1: invisible companies. I mean, that's what I was thinking. If it's a brand behind it, if it's a Philips or a Microsoft or a Google or something, they have a brand, sure. they have a reputation, and they kind of need to avoid that kind of bad publicity. The things that you talk about are the Shenzhen, um unknown company here that puts something on Alibaba uh, stores and stuff like that, which you can buy very cheaply. And yeah.
0: But they're being that's, churned that's out yes. and consumed yes, yes, yes. at numbers that probably exceed those of the known, well-known brands. And that's why I I think the legislation like this is
1: kind of interesting. Because it's an important point, because it's such a certain point, it's not just a fine for companies producing stuff locally, but also when you import stuff from other places. The problem I see here is how is the UK going to impose a fine on a Chinese company?
0: Well, they won't. They'll impose the the fine on the importer. Will close the importer down effectively, as as far as I can see.
1: Yeah, I mean it's because the fines could go up to twenty percent of their global revenue. Thing, the importer is typically a uh, mailbox firm ten, that ten, doesn't have yeah, a lot. Ten percent so of turnover. So the, the fines will be very small. The big company that produces the stuff and gets all the money in China can't be fined, but the local, local importer uh, would get a fine. So exceed that, it, it's. <laughs> The effectiveness is going to be hard it's going to work for mm. stuff that's in the global uh w- world trade uh, agreement stuff because that's usually put in there but uh, yeah china is typically not really happy to assist the world in that part
0: i mean the the curious thing about this though is that it doesn't affect certain things so it doesn't it doesn't cover vehicles smart meters and medical devices which i find a little bit curious i find uh, to me when i honestly when i read that list of 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 things that are excluded from this legislation it just makes me think that someone's taken a huge amount of money as a bribe to exclude those as things. As a lobby
1: ground. It,
0: yeah, exactly. But like the the car industry, I, it, I absolutely can see, you know, someone lobbying it's for... It's a botnet on wheels. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it absolutely is. And it's getting more and more dangerous as cars get more smarter and
1: smarter. in, and in the connected to the electricity nets for all the charging stuff.
0: Yeah. But like with autonomous control of so many mm-hmm. systems, you know, if you can get I know that they're hardened, I understand that, but we you know, you you don't need to sort of every every other month at least you see someone has managed to exploit some bit of hardware in the automotive world to be able yeah. to
1: it's not this is all about the, the, uh, exploits right it's about having that empty or default password there's a very limited scope in the law there i mean exploits finding exploits is hard because bugs will always exist it, a, a bugless world is not going to work because we sure. don't have any flowers anymore sure
0: but then why should vehicles be excluded from that like there's no same because reason.
1: there's no way to add a password because there's no screen but then why the would energy.
0: you not have it included in the legislation yeah. if there's no yeah. way to do it like it's ridiculous smart meters i think is a that's the energy lobby like that's just yeah,
1: yeah they're the that, big lobbies that's definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. and but like, i get it for m- medical devices i mean just imagine you're being carted into the uh, intensive care unit. They have to pull, the, pull out a new defibrillator. Okay, hang on. I have to put in a password first. <laughs> or <Sorry. laughs> someone knows the
0: password, go, goes there, changes the default settings to uh, instead of... Uh, crispy. <laughs> basically. <laughs> and uh, there you go, frying patients. I, I just...
1: Yeah. And of course the medical, of course, big lobby group as well.
0: Yeah, so i I laud the fact that this legislation is uh, looks like it's going to come in. I think it's it's an it's about time, and I hope that there's a lot more legislation that follows this in other countries to continue this pressure to reduce the the number of default passwords that that exist on on devices. But yeah, I hope the I hope the exemptions um,
1: do. Start that, to that's one out, advantage but. of the exemptions. I mean, just imagine the future where your, your cable modem is a remote-controlled RV car. Because then it's a vehicle and it's exempt.
0: <laughs> You're just taping wheels <laughs> onto things that you want exempt. <laughs> well, you see, actually, this is a vehicle.
1: Uh, I mean, you can so take it and you can throw it so it travels through the air.
0: It's <laughs> an airplane. Feasible, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think we've uh, we've about wrapped this up. How about you? Yeah, this
1: is getting silly. So let's get the show off the road. So yeah, that's all the time we have for today. The, you can support the podcast. You can become a patron. Every contribution does help. You can find us on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and watch the YouTube videos we prepare with so much care. You can go to www.drawingelephant.org. There's links there to the Patreon page and to the YouTube page. You can follow me on Twitter using at drawingelephant tag and you can send plain old email to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Tell us what you like, don't like and we will be sure to listen. Until next time, my name is... um, I want some yogurt. John?
0: And my name is Tiny Cloud
1: Provider Dave. (laughs) I look forward to talking to you next week goodbye. See you then.